The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Greetings to everyone around the world and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if your truth journey brought you here, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview, you know what to do. Go to VeritasRadio.com and click on subscribe. Give yourself the gift of truth. And tonight, he's back to discuss the great ontological questions and so much more. Our special guest is a veteran of this radio show, Neil Kramer, right now on Veritas. Neil Kramer is an English writer, philosopher, and teacher specializing in the fields of consciousness, metaphysics, and mysticism. Kramer has made a lifelong independent study of philosophy, mystical traditions, religion, inner alchemy, occultism, and esoteric world history. He shares his path of transformation and empowerment in writings, interviews, and lectures, as well as giving one-on-one teachings and group workshops. He's a frequent guest on leading alternative radio and internet shows, enjoying international audiences and enthusiastic support. His work regularly features on cutting-edge websites, news portals, and popular television networks in the U.S., U.K., Canada, and Europe. Neil speaks on many fascinating subjects and is renowned for his unique blend of lucidity, empowerment, and authenticity. And to learn more about Neil Kramer, visit his website at neilkramer.com and listen to all the Veritas interviews we have conducted with him in the past. I think this is the sixth one. Also, Neil will be conducting a workshop titled Esoteric Roots in downtown Portland at the Hotel Monaco in September the 13th and 14th, 2014. If you have a chance to attend, I'm telling you, you will really come out with new and important knowledge, or as Neil calls it, philosophy for living. Visit neilkramer.com forward slash event for, for more information. And directly from Oregon, USA, I'm privileged to introduce my good friend, Neil Kramer. Hello, Neil. Welcome back to Veritas. Hi, Mel. It's wonderful to be with you. Thank you. It's always it's always a delight. Always a pleasure to have you back, Neil. You know, whenever I'm getting ready to interview you, I imagine the Library of Alexandria Times and the mystery schools and how people would gather around philosophers to receive new knowledge. And that's how it feels when you're around, especially because you always bring something new. I always ask you the same question. How in the world do you keep so much knowledge new? Well, a long time ago, somebody said to me, the great gift of a poet is that they can find truth and beauty in anything at all, anywhere in life. And I 
very much am attracted to the idea of the the poetry of philosophy in that you can look at these great big wonderful ideas and then you can look at the simple little things the flowers growing in your garden or i posted some pictures of some newts i was watching diving in a pond in the forest the other day and to me the every element of life all of nature and all of supernature is interesting and there is a poetry to it and philosophy is just a way of approaching that um to let help us live more fulfilling and interesting and fascinating lives and to make us better people and um that element of poetry means that you can you can shine your philosophical light upon anything really absolutely anything and i know we're going to probably talk about all different kinds of things, uh, esoteric things and spiritual things, but p- political things and things to do with family and things to do with, you know, finance, everything really. So the, the job of the philosopher is to bring that life into every subject, into every corner and a perspective. You know, that's what it's all about, about is bringing a perspective of, empowerment and as you you read out that little tagline on my website philosophy for living it's not an abstract thing in a book that we look at you know by the fireside with a glass of cognac or whatever as nice as that might be it's something that we bring into the bloody supermarket and driving along the highway and uh having babies and burying relatives and going to school it's everywhere everywhere and that's what keeps it fresh and, and believe me, folks, we don't mean to be, uh, how can I explain, what's the word I want to use, uh, Pollyannish here, saying that everything is good and, and dandy, because I know we're living in chaotic times. But I've followed some of your travels. I see that you have a lot of photography, so I presume that you're also a photographer. And it doesn't matter if Neil is in Chernobyl. He always finds a way to photograph something of beauty. And I think the same thing can happen to us in everyday life, we can find something positive. We can find something beautiful around us. It doesn't matter if we're living in chaotic times. But why don't we start with the ontological questions or what I call the primordial questions that gave rise to this very program, the questions you would be asked and answered personally on a regular basis. Why don't we start from there? Yeah, I think that's that's the thing that drives most people. And looking through your website a few days ago to see what who you've been talking to and what kind of things you've been talking about it's the familiar big questions of life and all those things and you know ontology just being this particular section really of metaphysics where we deal with the nature of existence you know what is it what's it for what does it mean and everybody approaches that from a different angle and i know for you for example one way in was through the question of extraterrestrials and ufos to say there is other entities out there in the universe who appear to interact with us and that's we always have a soft spot for the one of our initial pathways and i imagine when you're an old man mel and you sat there with your grandchildren on your knee playing your guitar or whatever you'll still have that soft spot for ufos and for the question of the extraterrestrial presence and for me one of my soft spots was um zen buddhism which was a way in for me very early on when i was a young very young man in my early late teens early 20s 
And they, they ask those questions on a regular basis. Um, why are we here? What are we supposed to be doing here? Um, what does it mean? And how can we know more? And from Hindu spiritual philosophy, which is a great system of life and of culture, it's not just um, like Socrates and Plato, you know, some wise men who wander about. Hindu spiritual philosophy is a way of life. And it's interpenetrated into uh, what you do in the kitchen as much as what you do in the temple, which is very attractive to me. And then it, Buddhism is a, an outshooting of this that obviously then came through into China from India. And then further into Japan was Zen Buddhism. And it keeps getting stripped down more and more and more and more and more minimal, minimalist. So on the one hand, in your left hand, you have these great poetic texts of Hindu philosophy, of, of original uh, spiritual mastery and spiritual perception. And there's this great vast volumes and tomes of this stuff. Very difficult to read some of it as well. And what the Japanese brought to it was this great starkness, this great minimalism. So in the right hand, you hold this what, like one slim volume of a a Zen monk, which appealed to me. I like to strip out everything except the very core of it. And of course, that's a very subjective thing for the individual. What Zen does is it takes you right to the thing that actually counts. So to me, it asked, it gave me permission to take myself seriously, to say, well, you are just a guy wandering about like anyone else. You are asking questions that have been perhaps we could say unresolved <laughs> for thousands of years and you're yeah. just another person having a go, but you should have a go. And in fact, you won't fulfill yourself and you won't be satisfied until you do so. And you should continue to ask those questions. So as a very young man, it gave me confidence to take myself seriously enough to tackle those questions. And philosophy gives you a little bit more language and vocabulary, to be honest, to, to go a little bit further. But it is actually mysticism which takes that even a step further. So you could say that philosophy teaches you how to think about things, but it is very abstract. It's removed from the business of it, the you know, the crux of the matter in a in a manner of speaking. Whereas mysticism teaches us what to actually do about these ontological questions of life. Why are we here? What are we supposed to do? It gives you actions and ways forward. It's, it is experiential in its very nature. So the mystic treats their own life, their own self, as the very instrument for inquiry. So you become your own lens through which to look. And that's the wonderful thing about it. So you can ask these questions in mysticism. You can look at some other answers that people have given, but always it's promoting and proposing that you answer it yourself. So the great uh, student, the great mystical student who looks into these things is taught to say, on the first year of your spiritual education, you ask yourself the question, what am I? And the, the, the student will say, well, I'm a human being. And that's not bad, not a bad answer, but not, not right. And then a whole year goes by and you, okay, I'm, I am a spiritual essence having a human experience. Okay, that's a better answer, but still, no, that's not it. And then you get cleverer and a whole year's gone past again 
you've learned more and more about life and then you're in your twenties or whatever. You've seen more things. You've been to more places. You've tasted more. Again, the question, what am I? You say, well, I am a divine emanation experiencing what it is to be in the third dimensional space through this homo sapien biological shell with this mind, with this great interplay of individuality and the undifferentiated mind of life, of the word, of the logos. So, well, that's a good answer, but you're trying to be too clever. It's too clever, that. And that's that's the nice fusion of Zen and mysticism, that it won't let you get away with just this metaphysical waffle. You can use big words and say interesting sounding things, but it's still that's not the right answer. And some people are dissuaded by that. And they think, well, nobody knows the answer to these questions, so let's just forget it and do something else. But for me, the very fact that on this earth, in my view, nobody knows the answer to the questions, why are we here? What are we supposed to do? What are we? What does it mean? How can we know more? Nobody knows. Nobody knows for sure. And to me, that's very, very interesting. And as I said in my book, The Unfoldment, it gives you a clue as to something like the whole system. Nobody knows what's going on. Nobody, not a single person. And that to me shows that by design, you're not supposed to have any concrete knowing of what it is. You have to kind of piece it together by yourself. You have to do it all on your own, you see. And that ontology and that spirituality and philosophy and metaphysics and mysticism shows you that you have to take it upon yourself to go and do this thing. You can join a, a temple or you can be a Christian or a Catholic or a Rosicrucian or something if you want to be. And that they have use. They will show you things that have some value. But always a point is reached, a threshold, where it's not enough and you want to move on to the next level. And the great teachers, and even in modern times, people like Rudolf Steiner and George Gurdjieff and in later times, Alan Watts, for all their imperfections and all their humanness, right, they nevertheless knew how to communicate this appetite for these big questions of life, these ontological questions, and say, what is it that we're doing here? Well, you can find out, but you can only find out by suspending the way you used to think about the world, and you have to kind of have a big house clearing session and you can't just be a normal man and find out you know in your spare time you've got to take it seriously and you've got to really dive into it so then that question comes back on the individual to think have i config have i configured my life in the correct way to give enough juice to this and that's that's the secret that you can find out the answers to those questions in a satisfactory manner as long as you put enough, let's say, psychic juice into it, as, as much commitment and perseverance as you can. And esoterically speaking, I would say as much light into it as you can. You can very closely equate consciousness with light and say as you have a set amount of that, so let's say 100 units, and everything you do uses one little unit up. The business of spiritual development needs nearly all of it. <laughs> so you have to make a determination 
about what it is you actually want to know. So really, I think what people are saying is they're curious about it, but actually to get an answer to what am I will change your life and they're not ready for that, so they don't really want to know. So what they'd rather do is read about someone else who asked that question and what their answer was. Because you see, you can never answer for anyone else. If you were to say to me, what am I? I can't answer that because it's a different question and a different answer for you. You can only do it for yourself. So philosophy teaches the knowledge, but mysticism teaches you to experience and, and in essence, it transmutes the knowledge into wisdom by yes. compelling you to experience the knowledge and turning into it into uh, wisdom. You yeah. know, I remember growing up, and, and, you know, but jigsaw puzzles, even if it, if it would take somebody three days to finish, I had to finish and I didn't care if it was midnight, even if I had to go to bed. Then video games, I had to go to the next level because I always wanted to know what was beyond the next level. Yeah. And now the questions of, as you said, extraterrestrial life, do we have extraterrestrial life? Are they interacting with us? You know, where do we come from? All these magnificent, you know, cities that we're finding around the world that we yeah. cannot even explain how they were built and nobody, not even the best archaeologists have the answer. That fire under my my chair right here is what keeps me compelled to to move forward. Yeah, that's right. And that's that's the the fascination of life to say that if if you have that fascination and engage with it, it goes beyond the stage of just being a curiosity and it takes you to something where you you realize that that's actually what starts to fulfill you and in um, my mystical kind of heritage and the the organizations and the groups of men that I studied with and looked at all these different issues we used to discuss um, different ways of approaching this and my one of the things I do in my work as I'm sure most of your guests do is you you tend to synthesize things in your own way, in your own language. And let's say that half of what we all do is uh, developing pre-existing wisdom. We take something and we work with it. And I have this phrase as well, you know, wisdom wants itself to be developed. Wisdom wants to be developed. So it's not done. It's not finished. It's like a piece of creation that wants to refine and it wants us to take it. Uh, thank that wisdom for its existence, but then work it, take it to the next level, like a piece of music that can be crafted and become even more beautiful. So half of it is what pre-exists and we take on. And the other half of it is our own unique individuality. So who you are is a unique way of life experiencing itself through you. Who I am is another completely specific, customized, unique way of life experiencing itself. And one of my... Uh, methods of synthesis is to say that uh, there are these root teachings that we come here to get involved with. And it's through this work that we start to approach those great questions. And the root teachings, I would say, seven of them, if you could boil it down into the lowest possible number, I would say there are seven. And they are there to comprehend and to examine and to become very intimate with in your own life. And that those teachings are these, separation, transience, identity, will, being, merging, and transcendence. So even if you take the very first one, separation, the very, very first thing that happens when you show up 
is that you're separated from. Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.